Every generous act of giving, with every perfect gift, is from above, coming down from the parent of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. In fulfillment of God's own purpose, God gave us birth by the word of truth, so that we would become a kind of first fruits of God's creatures. You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, for your anger does not produce God's righteousness. Therefore, rid yourselves of all sordidness and rank growth of wickedness, and humbly welcome the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if any are hearers of the word and not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in a mirror. For they look at themselves and, on going away, immediately forget what they were like. But those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and persevere, being not hearers who forget, but doers who act, they will be blessed in their doing. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God in spirit, for the word of God among us, thanks be to God. We continue with our summer worship series theme of Rooted in Our Past, Reaching into Our Future, which is our 50th anniversary theme, the 50th anniversary of this United Parish, this joyful ecumenical experiment. And we hear now from our last most recent seminarian uh, who was with us in 2019 to 2020 as the pandemic started at the end of her time with us, Jazz Buchanan. I think, like me, we've all been struck by Jazz's deep authenticity in all that she does. She has a sort of wide-eyed wonder at the world that seems really naive, but as you get to know her, you realize there's some real-world savvy in all of that. A deeply faithful person who is now a member of this congregation and in the discernment process for ordination in the United Church of Christ, which we are grateful for. She's also been serving as a pastoral resident this past year at First Church Cambridge, our beloved sister church across the river, and also this summer as a chaplain intern at Beverly Hospital. So grateful that Jazz has come to break open the word of God with us today to welcome her back into our virtual midst. United Parish, words cannot even begin to express how delighted I am to be worshiping with you this Sunday. I have been holding you all tenderly in my heart this past year and I'm extending the biggest, warmest virtual hug to you all. One of the questions I was asked to talk about in this homily is how serving United Parish has rooted me and inspired me to reach into the future. How incredibly fitting. After all, it is you, United Parish, who I asked to be my home church as I embark on this path towards ordination in United Church of Christ. You are my roots. You are what grounds me and reminds me why I love parish ministry. As I thought about what scripture I would like to focus on today, I copied and pasted at least 20 different passages in my Word document. All passages that talked about community and divine love. Because when I think about what is church? Why is church valuable? What is the role of church in 2021? I think about you. This incredible, heart-filled, devoted community of people 
who have a drive to delve into the beautiful messiness that is life, who do not stray from the parts of scripture that are challenging, who bravely and publicly share their confessions during Lenten dinner church, who in non-pandemic times decorate the sanctuary for Advent and Christmas together as a family, who embrace children as liturgists and worship leaders, who play lawn games outside the church. Yes, I have seen those pictures in my emails and they bring me so much love. And who literally are a church of multiple denominations. All to say, I could not settle on a passage. So I did what I often do. I checked out the lectionary. There I was, presented with the first chapter of James. James, commonly known as the brother close relative of Jesus, and who you also may know as the early leader of the Jerusalem church. As I read the passage, the word perfect jumped off the page. Perfect gift, perfect law. James uses the word perfect at least seven times throughout his book. And I admit the word perfect makes me a little uneasy. I always breathe a sigh of relief every time I hear in church, we are imperfect beings, yet we are loved unconditionally by God, our creator. And yet, even after hearing these words, even after saying these words out loud myself in church, I will still hold myself to ridiculous standards. And I know I am not alone. I remember when I first saw United Parish's sanctuary for the first time and watched Kent and Amy lead service. I was pretty nervous and already imagining the high bar I would hold myself to. I mean, holy smokes, a hundred plus people, lavalier microphones. You have to understand the church I served before United Parish had about 10 folks on any given Sunday. And the church before that had 60 people, so more, but that was on a really good Sunday. Thank goodness at the time as I sat there in the sanctuary, I did not know what my endearing, clumsy self would then do on Christmas Eve that year. The night of Christmas Eve, I distinctly remember standing in Kent's office, deciding between two robes. And to be honest, I was ecstatic to wear a robe. And Kent gently advised that I wear the shorter one, so I don't trip. And of course, I was like, <laughs> I won't trip. And so I went with the longer one, because it was also slightly more beautiful. Fast forward to the middle of service. <clears throat> I'm walking down the altar steps for the offering prayer. Mike gets tangled and Mike drops. The best part. I didn't even notice. I just remember looking out into the pews and catching a glance with Jackie, my wife, who was sitting there with her hand over her mouth. And I did not even realize what had happened until I started my prayer and went to grab the lavalier mic to find that it was no longer clipped to my robe. Luckily, the choir next to me graciously helped me locate it. The mic was dragging behind me on the floor. 
I asked Jackie just how noticeable that was after, after service, and she said, mm, well, there were three rather notable thuds as he walked down the steps. And I honestly believe it was the Holy Spirit that protected that poor Mike from real damages. And even better, I did not feel an ounce of judgment as this was happening from anyone sitting in the pews. I felt fully embraced by the community, even with my oversized robe, dragged Mike on the ground. All of it. I looked up just to be welcomed with warm smiles, genuinely ready to pray with me. And honestly, this was the same warmth I was greeted with when I met many of you for the first time at the church retreat. Normally, I would hide my competitive nature when playing games with people I'm just meeting. But with you, I'm hold back. I felt right at home. And it was that same warmth that wished me for farewell on my last Zoom coffee hour with you as your seminarian. Little did we know that was only a goodbye for now and then I'd be back. Which brings me back to James' word perfect from our scripture reading today. When I think of the word perfect, I tend to think about the absence of imperfections. That is, nothing is quote unquote wrong. But this understanding is far from the Greek and Hebrew translations of perfect in both the Jewish and Christian scriptures. Perfect is often translated as whole, W-H-O-L-E. Some say being whole is being in right relationship with God, or aligning one's heart with God, or genuinely feeling God's love with all of their mind, body, and spirit. James says, or I should really say my interpretation of what James says, is wholeness is aligning your heart and your actions with God. It is not enough to hear the word of God in your heart, but you must go out and embody the word through your actions. As he says, and humbly welcome the implanted word that has the power to save your souls, but be doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. I am all on board, James. After all, you are quite famous for your line, faith without works is dead. A pretty provocative statement. My question is, does the Greek word you are using here, akuo, translate as hear or listen? Yes, this is me nerding out for a minute. Stay with me. In English for us, in 2021, those two words, hear and listen, have different meanings. You can hear me, maybe even regurgitate what I'm saying, but not really understand what I'm saying. Here is not really a accurate translation. It does not fully capture what akuo means. When you look up akuo in the Greek English dictionary, you see a thing comes to one's ears to find out, learn. Or another example, to give ear to a teaching or a teacher. I'm going to go ahead and retranslate akuo here to listen for the sake of the sermon today. So James, is not listening then a kind of action? A kind of action that we all need now, maybe more than ever? Maybe what this world needs now more than ever? One pastor, Joe Ann Taylor, wrote in her blog, had you ever thought of listening as a form of evangelism? 
instead of telling people about Jesus. James tells us that the first thing we should do as first fruits is listen like Jesus. As God's gift to a hurting world, we are to listen to the pain, the need, and the despair around us, just as Jesus did, just as Jesus still does. This, this may be one of the most inspiring definitions of evangelism I've heard to date. Maybe if James was sitting next to me right now, he would agree with me. Maybe he was just stressing the point that we need to walk the talk and not just talk the talk. For I do believe it takes work, holy work, to really listen to the word of God in our hearts and in the world around us. This past summer, I interned as a chaplain at Beverly Hospital. I was very lucky to have such a great cohort to work with. It was not always easy. We were very different from one another. One morning, our supervisor came in and placed rainbow pins down on the table. And she told us, and she really stressed this, that we may take the rainbow pin and put it on our badge and wear it around the hospital if we would like to but only if we would like to. The rainbow pin would essentially mark us as a safe person for LGBTQ plus patients to talk to. This moment of rainbow pins opened up a series of long, hard conversations among us. One of my colleagues, who I could tell this was really hard for him to share with the group, said he was not sure he could wear a rainbow pin because of his theological beliefs. Now, I have tremendous love and respect for this individual. We had built a lot of trust to get to this point, to be honest and vulnerable with one another. Not to say it was easy, it was not. At one point later in the summer, I noticed I had been carrying this question inside of me and that I really, I really needed to talk to him about it and really ask him. I was struggling with this idea of how he could see my full humanity as a gay woman and still hold on to the theological beliefs that he did. So I asked him this, and that was not an easy question to ask. And as much as I told myself, self, do not cry while you ask this question, I cried. Tears streamed down my face, tears that carried years of hurt. And then I remember looking him in the eyes and I could feel that he was really listening. And I realized in that moment that that is just what I needed. I just needed to feel like he was really listening to me. I did not need him to change his beliefs. I just needed him to see the pain, to try to understand the pain that some theological beliefs can cause. Our conversation was about seeking understanding, no agendas, and that was key. And he was able to understand more about where I was coming from, and I was able to understand his struggle more, and actually be able to ask the questions that I needed to ask him. That day, I learned one of the biggest lessons in my life to date. Listening and reaching across differences does not mean that one of us has to change. 
I could still have hard conversations with someone I have so much respect for and not sacrifice my values or who I am in the process. Or ignore my own feelings for the sake of peace. I will cherish this experience for a long time because it gives me great hope. And this is what I think part of the journey towards wholeness can feel like. Connection in its most loving, gracious form. This is one of the reasons why I believe church is still so important. Maybe even more important for us Christians living today in 2021 to practice listening listening to God, listening to one another, listening to the sacred stories we share with one another and holding them in communion. Stories of grief, of pain, and also stories of joy and laughter as best we can. Embracing our own perfectly imperfect selves, living out our faith, not just in prayer and in worship, but in how we welcome and hold one another in divine love. Making mistakes again and again and again. Reaching beyond our church walls to listen to the needs of communities just around us. All of this is what I see as part of the journey towards wholeness. Our hearts open wide and ready to listen, modeling the heart of Christ as much as we can muster. And I see this in you, dear church. You are the ones who showed me what church can be and what church needs to be. No, we don't always get it right. And we won't always get it right. But I see this community as dedicated towards this journey of wholeness. I wish I could point my fingers and tell you one story that captures all this, but it's not just one story. It is a series of moments that I've witnessed over the course of the eight months I was with you as seminarian. It is eating my bread too early during Holy Communion, feeling a bit embarrassed to then feel a gentle nudge next to me from Mark, who graciously breaks his piece of bread in half so that I can eat bread with the rest of the congregation. It is making an unexpectedly very, very spicy soup for dinner church, for folks to still turn to me and say, they would like to take home some leftovers. Bless. It is accidentally saying Jesus instead of my wife's name, Jackie, in the middle of a sermon, to be met with genuine laughter and smiles. As a seminarian, even up on that tall pulpit, preaching felt like sharing parts of myself over a cup of tea with you. The journey towards wholeness is alive, and all of these moments combined and so much more. When I think about the questions, how has my faith rooted me? How has United Parish rooted me? My answer is the same. Because of you, I am rooted in a belief that wholeness is possible. And maybe even more importantly, that the journey towards wholeness is worth it. For the task ahead of us is not the absence of imperfection, but the presence of all the parts that make us human. The road towards wholeness is worth it because the journey uncovers more of who we are as individuals, as a church, finding and discovering our most authentic selves and our potential as a community. I believe we are capable of more than we could ever thought. 
or ever think possible. We don't know what the next couple of months will bring, let alone what will happen next week. I do know that no matter what the next 50 years will bring, we have everything we need. For in James's words, you have humbly accepted the word planted in you. May God's word continue to guide us and bless our perfectly imperfect church as we reach into the future together. Amen.